presence of your spirit here. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the wonderful comfort that you bring, the strength that you give, the joy that is ours forever because of what Jesus, our Savior, has done. We love to be in your presence, Lord. We love as your people to sing our anthems, to sing our praise, to come wholeheartedly to worship you together. This is the Lord's Day that we celebrate. The day where we remember every week that you not only died, Lord Jesus, on the cross for our sins, but you rose from the dead, having redeemed us through your death, and then ascended to heaven to justify and acquit all of sin who would place their trust and faith in you. Lord, we're glad to be in that company of believers that have done that. We come from all walks of life. We come from all different places into this one place to declare that you are King of Kings, you are Lord of Lords, and you are our Savior and our Lord. And we wouldn't want it any other way, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for laying your life down completely for us and purchasing our broken, sinful lives that were dead in sin and raising us up together with you. You've seated us in heavenly places. Thank you so much, Lord. We give you praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Do you know what? I was just thinking as we were um, just singing, didn't the band lead us and the team lead us wonderfully this morning? Wow. Amazing. But uh, do you know what? Um, I was just thinking it is so wonderful to be amongst the company of people that believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's still the same today. He still removes our burdens. He still heals our bodies. He still lifts us up and gives us strength. He is the same. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? I am so glad to be in the family of God, just celebrating with the saints that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is still on the throne. He's still the same yesterday, today, and even beyond today, forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him a big shout of praise. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And listen, why don't you stand back up and go and greet somebody? <laughs> Welcome them. Welcome somebody to church. They're waiting to see your smiling face, I tell you. Encourage them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wonderful. Do you know today may be your first day here at church, King's Church. We want to welcome you, and we just pray that, uh, that you're going to be blessed today. And um, God's got so, much, so many wonderful things in store for your life because He is still, still so in love with us all. He really is. 
So welcome to church if you're here for the first time or if you've just been coming over the last few weeks. We pray that uh, this place will be a blessing to you, an oasis, as it's been over many, many years for, for many hungry souls, tasting God's goodness, receiving refreshment for their parched lives. This is, I tell you, a pool in a dry place. It is a spring, a well in an arid desert. And uh, that's not because of any one person. That's because of the people of God and the Spirit of God Himself who is here. Amen. Well, listen, before we get into the Word of God this morning, um, I've got some exciting news. Woo! Faye's not pregnant. No. I know where your minds were going. I, I knew it. No, it's not that. On June the 5th, on June the 5th, I am going to be doing a 200-mile cycle ride. I'm excited to, um, to raise funds for his church. Um, as, you, as you know, for the last 15 years, we have been in partnership with his church. And literally, I kid you not, over the last 15, 16 years, we have received millions Right? I don't say that lightly. We have received millions of pounds worth of food that um, his church has been able to give to us. And we've been able to take those provisions and literally cast it out like bread upon the water to all of the needy families and people in uh, Southeast Wales, and what a journey it's been, what a partnership it's been, a, a, such a prosperous partnership with his church. It's a God thing. It's supernatural. So I was talking to Richard, and uh, as you know, a f just a few months ago, we received literally tens of thousands of pounds worth of Lindor chocolate, right? You all received that and were blessed by that. And, and again, we were able to, to distribute that and are still distributing that uh, because we had so much. But I was talking to, to Richard at his church and I said, look, Richard, I'm riding from uh, Colwyn Bay, which is right at the top of North Wales, all the way back down to Newport. How about if we did it as a sponsored ride to raise funds for not, not just for the work here, but for all of the different works that his church support, all of the different charities, all of the different community agencies that his church support throughout Wales. So from the north all the way down to the south, their work is, is going to be, well, or the works um, that they work with are going to be supported through the funds that we raise. Now, the great news is already through just 12 supporters, we've got 310 pounds from people in this church. I'm so, I'm so encouraged. But listen, if you would like to give, and there's no pressure, please don't feel pressured because this is a generous house irrespective of this. But if you would like to give, right, there's going to be a bucket at the back. You can, you, can, you can give. You can donate. There's a link on our website to the Just Giving page. And um, you can just you can give that way. We're going to put a link up through WhatsApp, I believe. There's loads of ways you can give uh, between now and June the 5th. And if you can't give financially, pray for me. I'm going to need it. Because I'm camping in a little tent on the mountain, and I, I tell you what, I hope there's not ghosts on those mountains. <laughs> the one thing I don't like is the ghosts. But if they come, I've got something waiting for them. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right? So listen, would love you to support that. If you can't support it financially, please support it with your prayers. Would appreciate it. But if you can support it financially, Remember his church. They, they've been such a blessing to us. Is that okay? Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, the title of today's message is A Fruitful Fall. 
A fruitful fall. And that initially may sound like a bit of a contradiction to you, because usually none of us ever think of a fall as something that can be fruitful. Have you ever thought of a fall being fruitful? No, usually we don't ever think of a fall being fruitful. Falls cause us pain. Falls cause injury. And falls are something that we all seek to avoid at all costs. I still remember one of the biggest falls that I had when I went out of the house one sunny afternoon, much like today actually. I went out of my house. I was about six or seven years of age. I was living in Yorkshire and I decided to run down the street at 60 miles an hour. I had my little shorts on. Okay, and off I went, man, I was excited to meet my friends, and I just went hurtling down the street, and I think I got to about 55 miles an hour when my little legs hit the gravel, I started to skid, I went tumbling over, and my knees became my brakes, suddenly bringing me to a stop. I tell you now, a fall like that, you never forget, and... Um, I still remember it to this day. My knees were, were, were scarred and blood was everywhere. And I went home running and screaming my little head off. And when I got in, my mum bandaged my wounds, sent me off up to bed with a clip around my ear for being so stupid. <laughs> but that day, that day when I hit the ground, and I had a tumble, and I had a fall because I was trying to run at 60 miles an hour. I realized that falls were not good. I realized from that point on that it was important not to fall, to avoid falling at all costs. From that moment on, I've often thought back to that time. I've often thought back to how excited I was when I started running. I've often thought back to my, my, my joy and the exhilaration that I had when my little legs were trying to carry me to see my friends. But then suddenly when I went tumbling over, the pain that was encountered and that I incurred. Falls are something that we seek to avoid. Falls are something that we associate with pain and with injury. We don't naturally gravitate towards them because of all of the pain that they bring about in our lives. I've discovered, probably like you have in life, that falls are unavoidable. They really are. Falls come in all shapes and sizes, not just physical ones. Sometimes in our workplace, we encounter falls of various kinds. The work environment that we love, the work environment that we, we enjoy, suddenly turns and becomes hostile. It becomes a place that, that is not so bright and positive any longer. And we go through a season, we go through a fall, we go through a strife-filled time that is difficult. Or maybe it's in a relationship that we find tension and strife. And that relationship or that friendship, that friendship that was great and going somewhere and positive suddenly turns and we fall headlong into difficulty, into strife, into trouble of all kinds. Falls come in all shapes and sizes. And we all know about them because we've all encountered them. We've all experienced them in, in some way. They come in the challenges that we face, the fears that we feel. The pressures of life that often bear down on us. But from a Bible perspective, 
when we fall as believers, you see, the Bible has lots to say about these falling experiences that we all encounter. From a Bible perspective, when we fall as believers, every fall from a biblical perspective can be fruitful and productive. It's the most unusual thing. Because what we associate as being negative, what we associate as being hard and difficult and trouble-filled, the Bible has a different perspective altogether about it. The Bible tells you that every fall that you encounter in life can be fruitful. It can be fruitful. Fruit-filled. Those difficult times, those hard situations, those those fear-filled moments that seem so unproductive, those, those hard, trying months, not days or hours, but those hard, trying months and even years of walking through swamp-like conditions, falling head over heels into trouble after trouble, it's those very times that the Bible says can be the most positive times in your life. They can be productive and they can be fruit-filled. Your fall and every fall that your life has undertaken can be fruitful as far as God is concerned and as far as his word is concerned. God doesn't have a negative picture about the falls that we go through. And the Bible's perspective, and this is great news for us, falls are painful. Falls call, cause confusion and, and we feel injured by them. And, and we, we tend to live on our back heels and walk carefully and suspiciously around circumstances because we don't want to fall headlong into trouble. But those very things that we fear, those very things that, that seem so acutely painful, can work for your good. They will work for your good. As, as, as far as God is concerned, as far as God is concerned, every fall, every pain, every weakness is money in your account. It's investment building up. It really is. It's, it's, it's accruing within you. And this is what we're going to see. This is what we're going to see today, a biblical perspective about falling, how falling is fruitful from a biblical perspective, how it's investment into you and your life. It really is. We're going to read from the letter of James, James's letter in a moment, because James sees every fall of life not as destructive, but as productive. In fact, James sees all of the falls that we go through, both big and small, that come our way, not as a means of sealing our fate, but as occasions of great fruitfulness that take place in all of our lives. Imagine every hurt, imagine every pain that your life has gone through. Imagine all of those jack-in-the-box surprises all of those jack-in-the-box sudden circumstances that have sprung up and caused anxiety, worry, and fear. All of those ugly things that have come your way, that's turned everything upside down, going to work for you. Those very things that you don't want to look back on and remember. Those very things that have caused pain and hurt, and even caused pain now, those very things James is going to show us, and God's Word shows us, are a means of great blessing, are a means of great investment into our lives. James tells us, as we'll see, that all of our falls become a means of 
perfecting areas of our lives to leave us complete in character, lacking nothing. Imagine that. Imagine that. Do you want to be complete in character, lacking nothing? Now, our route, our route to being complete in character and lacking nothing would not be necessarily the Bible's route. But to be complete in character and lacking nothing, James tells us that we're going to take some falls, we're going to take some tumbles, and they're going to be painful, they're going to be hard, but they're going to work in us a Christ-like character that is rich, that enables us to go forward and to go on in great joy. They produce fruit. That's what they do. They produce fruit. Listen to James chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 2 through to verse 4. Words I'm sure that all of us know well. James says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, some people would read that, and they, they'd conclude that James has lost his mind. They'd conclude that, that, that James has lost his senses, that he's not living in the real world. How can we count it all joy when we fall? Or as the New English Bible puts it, count yourself supremely happy when you fall. It's illogical. It's unreasonable because it's supernatural. It's a supernatural life in God that we have all been given, that we have access to. This is possible, that, this is possible James tells us. James, just like Paul, tells us that we can have and experience joy in the most difficult of times in our lives as we, as we access God's supernatural life in those most difficult times that we face. Listen to Paul a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, Paul talking about the great troubles and the great challenges and the great issues that he faced. He says this about them all in 2 Corinthians 4, or in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 4. He says this, and I'm picking up on this phrase. In all our troubles... My joy knows no bounds. Imagine that. Imagine going through all of the troubles that Paul went through. And, and in his letter to the Corinthians, on one occasion, he listed all of the troubles that he went through. And when you look at that list, it's unbelievable. The trouble and the circumstances that that man faced, the difficulties and the threat on his life on many occasions was perplexing. And yet he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, he says, In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Paul found an abounding joy even in the midst of the most acute problems in the, in, in the midst of the darkest hours of his life, he found an abounding joy in the Holy Ghost in Jesus Christ for his life. Now, neither James nor Paul are telling us to find pleasure in pain. They're not telling us. You know, when we go through very hard times and, and perplexing times and, and troubling times. They're not, they're not telling us, you know, to try and find and extract pleasure from pain. They're not masochists. Oh, let's experience pain so we can find pleasure. 
No, they're not saying that at all. But what they are saying is that no painful circumstance is going to interrupt the joy of being in Christ Jesus. No painful circumstance, no matter what it is, is going to interrupt this joyful life that I have in Christ our Lord. They experience pain of many kinds, of every kind. And yet, they found an abounding joy working inside them. They knew, you see, that those trials and those difficulties and those pains that come our way in life that cause us to fall, they knew that they were highly productive. They knew that there were things to be extracted from those very painful issues of life in order for their lives to be enriched. The very falls that we often seek to avoid, the very falls that we often seek to get around, James points out, as Paul pointed out on many occasions, are highly productive for our lives. These men saw beyond the humiliation of hurt emotions, and they looked to the perfect work being done through all of the varying circumstances that come our way. The work of patience, the work of endurance, leaving us complete, lacking nothing in character. All of these hard knocks that come our way are the means of building us up to be more like Christ. Now, when I was preparing this message earlier this week and just praying, I was just thinking, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of Bible passages and verses that I love in the Bible. Lots of them I turn to often. Lots of them I, I think of. They're, they're, there's probably, you know, a favorite 20 that I go through in my mind. And usually they're the ones about standing and walking. Running and not growing faint. Rising up with wings as of eagles. And soaring above adversity. I love those verses. I love verses like, I'm more than a conqueror. Through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in you, Dave, than he that's in the world. I love the verses that tell me that I'm reigning in life. I also love the verses in Ephesians where Paul tells me that I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. They're wonderful. I recite them. I remind myself of them. And I receive encouragement as a result of them. And they're very important. They're extremely important. But James's words aren't about standing or walking, running or rising, reigning in life. They're about falling. Falling in life. My brethren, he says, count it all joy when you fall. So he says, not when you stand, not when you soar, not when you open your wings on the thermals of God and everything's wonderful and everything's going your way. Not when you realize that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Not when you're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. No, James doesn't say any of that. He gets straight to the point where life is at. And he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And as hard as that may seem for us to understand... He's calling us to look beyond the pressure. Look beyond the life problem. Look beyond 
all of the difficulties and the challenges and the conflicts that we feel belittled by. Look beyond it, child of God. Because something of eternal worth is being worked in you. A patience and an endurance and a hope that will enable you to stand and go through any trial it's preparing you for. Greater strength, greater capacity, a greater determination and resolve to follow, to follow God. We struggle to understand it. But James understood that there's something incredible to be extracted from every painful challenge and every, every trial that we face. Now, when James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, the word various means, listen to this, multicolored. I like that. Multicolored. That means that the trials and the tests and the temptations and the challenges and all of the things that hit you suddenly on a Monday morning, they're not one colored, they are multicolored. Multicolored. Multicolored trials, multicolored temptations, multicolored pressures, multicolored experiences that come to strike against your life that cause you to fall. All of these testing pressures of life are varied and different and are multicolored, James tells us. You know, it would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? I think it would anyway, if all of the trials and the adverse situations that we face were all colored neon yellow. It'd be wonderful. And not only if they were colored neon yellow, but if there was a nice big warning sign on each trial and each test and each temptation that we faced. And, and it read, the sign read, avoid me. Stay away at all costs, because I'm going to strike you hard, I'm going to take the feet from under you, and you're going to fall flat on your face. Be wonderful if every trial, if every test, if every temptation and challenge that we were to face were neon yellow. My goodness me, I'd see it a mile away and run for my, I'd run for my life to avoid every trial and test that I could. But James tells us, and he confirms what all of us know by experience in life. He tells us, listen, they're not neon yellow. They can't be defined. They're multicolored. They're complex. They're camouflaged. And they hit you from all angles. And the impact is like a rugby tackle takes you right off your feet and you fall into sometimes the mire and the mud of life not knowing what has hit you and sometimes that catches us unaware as believers the fierceness of life the the aggressive nature of the battle that we're in and the tensions that we feel. Because our expectation and our hope is new and wonderful. Our expectation is now eternal. Our our love and our devotion and our trust in God is settled. And yet, sometimes all of a sudden, we get hit from every side. And our legs get knocked from beneath us, and we don't know we don't know what's happening. We're like that little cartoon caricature that gets knocked over, and he's got stars and little angels 
going around his head because he doesn't know where he is or what's going on. And sometimes we can feel like that. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Because James encourages us in his word that every fall, every fall, as does other Bible writers, every fall in your life, every single detail of your life is fruitful because now your life is in Christ and, and God works all things together for good to those that love him and those who are called according to his purpose. I'm telling you now, this morning, the Holy Spirit is going to bring a little adjustment in, into some of our minds because some of the things that we are remembering is causing us pain. Some of the things that we are recalling from our past, we're saying, oh my God, if, if only I hadn't. Listen, it happened, it's over, it's under the blood, and it will be worked for your good. Go forward, believer in Christ. Go forward with a smile on your face. Go forward with joy, knowing that even that fall that you may be ashamed of, even that fall that may have caused acute pain and still causes acute pain in your heart, go forward, child of God, counting it all joy, knowing that even that was a means of bringing about a work of God in your life that you might not yet appreciate. But when all is said and done, you'll see that how even God can use the shameful, the sinful, the despised things of life to work for your good. We can't work it for our good, but I'll tell you something now. He can. He's incredible. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He really is how he does this. You may not have noticed, but James doesn't say, if we fall. He says, when. There's a big difference. He says, when you fall, simply to imply that it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time when these things come along and test our faith in a very, very colorful way. But just like we saw Paul's joyful attitude to suffering in Romans 5 last week, so here again, James voices the same attitude. Count it all joy, he says. Don't lose your joy. Even if times are hard, even if the trial is severe today, even if you're, you're, you're struggling to know what to do next because the pressure is on. You've come in here this morning. You've sung your praise to God. You've expressed your worship to Him. Don't lose your joy, child of God. It may be hard. It may be fierce. It, it, the, the, the enemy may be really pressuring you in, in, in ways that you've not known before. Listen, retain that joy. Don't lose that joy in God. Look to Him. James tells us patience is being produced. And this patience that he talks about in the trial when we fall is not a passive, inactive acceptance of bad circumstances. We're not just to, you know, soldier on through and passively accept bad circumstances. The patience that James speaks of is an active waiting and dependence for God's will to be done in us and through us. We don't just have to grin and bear it. We can actively pursue God's will patiently in the trial. We saw that last week, didn't we? When, we? when we thought about Paul and Silas in prison. Their backs had been whipped and beaten. They, they were stripped naked. Just imagine having no clothes on. Your, your, your back bleeding. Thrown in the innermost 
prison with your feet in stocks. You talk about humiliation. You talk about falling into a trial, not understanding what's going on. You're talking about your faith being tested. A lot of people, let's be honest, would just question God. God, we came to Philippi to preach your word. God, we came to Philippi to tell people about the good news of Jesus. And look where we've landed. <laughs> look where we've landed. We're in prison. We're naked. Our backs are beaten. But there was no question. They fell into suffering. They fell into a severe, acute trial. And yet, in that trial, they retained their joy. Actually, I think it's Acts 16. I think it's Acts 16 that we looked at. And it says, at midnight, the darkest point of the night, they began to sing and pray. And suddenly there was an earthquake that shook the whole foundation of the prison. And every chain fell off. And they were up on their feet. The jailer was about to commit suicide. Uh, the jailkeeper was about to commit suicide because he thought everybody had run out of the prison. They were all stunned. And Paul said, we're all here. And as a result of that severe trial, as a result of that, of that, that unexpected sudden collision with life, that jailer was saved. And the church at Philippi was established, irrespective of the opposition. That's a fruitful fall right there. That's what that is. Paul made his fall fruitful as he prayed and as he praised God. Make your fall fruitful. It may be difficult. Things, people may be saying things against you that are causing you pain. There may be situations in your life that seem far bigger than you. And you've fallen headlong into a trial. And it's a terrific trial. It hurts. It's hard. You feel alone. But make your fall fruitful, child of God. Begin to pray. Your prayers may be, may be tear-stained. Your song may, may seem heavy in your heart. But keep praying. Keep singing. Because God, I tell you, God will make your fall fruitful. When you decide to praise Him, when you decide to lift your voice up and pray. He's pleased with that kind of faith. He really is. He's pleased with that kind of trust that just doesn't give up, irrespective of the challenges and the trials that we go through. So is James, you know, just spouting out this, this line, well, just count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces this, that, and the other. Is he just sat in his office, you know, comfortably in an armchair, just reeling out some words to feed people? No. No. This man knew pain. Oh, this man knew pain. This man knew Life breaking against him. This man knew pressure and crisis and calamity. But he also knew a supernatural joy, an abounding joy of God. When life got dark, when the lights were switched off, he had an encounter, a connection with the living God that not even the trials of life could interrupt. It's an incredible backstory to the letter of James. A story that recalls his reason for writing. Bible commenters tell us that James wrote his letter in approximately A.D. 44, about 10 years after Jesus had risen from the dead. Over that 10-year period, the early church had grown in Jerusalem phenomenally. After the day of Pentecost, it just went from strength to strength, citywide. Everywhere was saturated with the power of God. 
people were getting born again. And to the, to the extent that it increased, they couldn't even number the church. On the day of Pentecost, they said about 3,000 got saved. Three, was it 3,000 or 2,000? 3,000, brilliant. About 3,000 got saved. Somebody was there with a the calculator. There's a, it was 299. Oh, there's one. 3,000. Write it down. 3,000 have been saved. And then on a little further into Acts, Peter and John raised that man up from the gate beautiful. And, and it, it's reported that 5,000 get saved. Somebody's there with their calculator. Oh, there you go. Look. 499, 4,999, and one more, 5,000, write it down quick. It was accounted for, some, but then after that, it just started to go crazy. The Holy Ghost started to move in power. The people of God rose up, not just the apostles, the whole church rose up in Jerusalem, and suddenly it just started to go exponentially and they couldn't number the increase it just said it grew larger and larger and increased after increase came to the point that they couldn't number it James saw all of that James the apostle the brother of Jesus was the leading pastor in the church at Jerusalem commenters tell us and over the 10-year period, there was incredible growth. And the church grew, it's believed, to well over 150,000 believing Jews who were fellowshipping together daily in their homes. Imagine a city with 150,000 believers in it, breaking bread, celebrating the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, every single day. That's why you need to be in a connect group. Tell you, I love it. Every, well, every second Wednesday. Love connect group. Love fellowshipping with believers. But these believers in Acts were doing it every day. They just, there was a magnetism about the presence of God that just brought joy and there was an incredible increase. James witnessed the power of God shaking the city of Jerusalem and the kingdom of God coming from heaven on earth. Saw incredible miracles and manifestations and everything was, was wonderful. The Bible in Acts tells us that they grew in favor with God and with man. Everything was going so well. Until this wonderful growing church suddenly fell. It fell down on its knees. It was knocked off its feet. Such a wonderful church. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Growing, thriving. In favor with God and, with favor, and, and in favor with man within the city. But after about 10 years, this wonderfully growing, thriving church in Jerusalem that had over 150,000 believing Jews in it was struck down and it fell on its knees as it faced a fierce persecution. Stephen, one of the faithful deacons, was martyred for testifying about Jesus. And believers, because of the persecution, started to scatter everywhere. The scattering of believers from Jerusalem was so great, right, that in Acts chapter 8, it tells us that only the apostles were left in the city. Imagine that. Imagine that for a moment. You've got a citywide move a citywide church of 150,000 believers in one place praising God and a sudden persecution hits that church, knocks it to its knees, causing everyone to scatter, leaving only the apostles. Twelve were left in Jerusalem 
at that point, 12 were left in Jerusalem whilst all of the others scattered abroad. That's a fall. Indeed, it really is. James, along with tens of thousands of believing Jews, had experienced the most horrific persecution for their faith. Huge changes were being forced upon all of them. But James writes his letter. This is the context. This is the backdrop of James's letter. James writes his letter with no fear about the future. There's no retreat in his heart or regret about what's been lost. James wasn't holding his head in his hands, crying, saying, Oh, I haven't got a big church anymore. <laughs> I used to be a, a very famous pastor, and now all the numbers, where are they all gone? I haven't got a big church. All I ever wanted was to have a big church. No. There was no superstar. There was no big church mentality. None of that. Calmly, he writes his letter to the 150,000 believers. And he knows the importance of this letter that he's writing, the book of James. He knows the importance and the weight of this letter that would be circulated amongst those 150,000 Jews that had been scattered across countries and continents. And his opening words in James chapter 1, verse 1, are these, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. Greetings, he says. No sorrow in this man. He's undaunted by what's happened. He's not trying to hold on to what's been. He's not looking back. He sees even the scattering, the persecution, and the hardship that they have undergone as a blessing, as knowing that God will work it out ultimately. Greetings, he says. Do you know what that word means? Be full of cheer, calmly happy, inward we, in, inward, inwardly well, be joyful, and rejoice. That's how he starts his letter. No doom and gloom in his voice. We're trying to hold on here at Jerusalem. There's only 12 of us left. We're doing our best to keep the church afloat. No, 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 no. All things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. James was a man that was acquainted with great pain. James was a man that had to encounter huge change. James was a man that understood that when you get hit, when you get knocked, it hurts. But irrespective of all of the changes and all of the circumstances that came beating down upon that man, that man and his brethren in Jerusalem, he still said, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall. Ah, well, there was a lot more to say, but time is gone. When we fall, sometimes we can get confused. Sometimes the fall can cause us to make erratic decisions and choices. But James comforts us by showing us that even amidst all of the terrific changes that can take place in our lives, even amidst those circumstances that 
rugby tackle you to the ground, <laughs> leaving you confused, not knowing what's going to happen next. Even amidst all of that, James encourages, encourages us by telling us that we're not alone. See, we're not alone. Amidst all of that scattering, amidst such a great church being hit down to its knees, James's confidence was in that, was in that they were not alone. And he calls his brethren, as he calls us, that in difficult times, when we don't know what to do, to ask for God's help. Ask for wisdom, he says. If you're going to make your fall fruitful, ask for God's wisdom. Whatever the situation might be for you today, whatever the challenge might be that causes your mind to be perplexed, this might not be for everybody. It might be just for a few. Most of us might be doing fine. But, but for some of us today, those challenging times, that long season that you've been in, that's grating you, James says, you're not alone. Ask God for wisdom. Verse 5. Just after talking about being joyful amidst the trials, the temptations, and the tests of life, James exhorts us to ask God for wisdom. Listen to verse 5 in James chapter 1. He says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We're not alone. We're not alone. We have access to God's wisdom. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in just a moment. We're going to pray together. But let me close by just saying this. Years ago, I remember going through a difficult time in my life. And um, <clears throat> in very, it, it was very much a fall where I got hit in my mind. It wasn't a physical thing. It was a mental thing. It was a spiritual struggle. Paul the apostle says this isn't unusual. This is part of the Christian life. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. Each one of you would have felt at some point in your Christian life a wrestle like that. And I remember feeling this, this wrestle in my mind. Mind was becoming filled with fear. My mind was becoming anxious and overworked with worry. Day after day, it just seemed to be getting deeper until it hit crisis point. You see, the enemy always looks for an opportune time. He builds things up slowly, and then suddenly it reaches a crisis point where he wants to strike. But God knows all of this. We don't. We just feel the pressure and the uncertainty and the fear and the vulnerabilities of life. Well, it hit crisis point at about 4 a.m. one morning. And I remember waking up in bed in a cold sweat. And outside, there was a fierce storm. The lightning was flashing, the thunder was sounding, the wind was beating the rain against my window, and, and I, I just listened to the fierceness of the storm whilst feeling all of these feelings and thoughts go through my mind and through my emotions. And right at that point, when I was feeling and thinking all of these different things, I heard the enemy speak to me. And he said, your life is just like that storm outside. It wasn't audible. It was, it was 
I picked it up in my inner ear, in, in my inner ear of my spirit. I heard it clearly. Your life is just like that storm outside. And you know what? I couldn't argue with him. I had no means of defense in and of myself. I felt vulnerable. I felt weak. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. Well, I didn't know where to turn. <laughs> I turned to God. I cried like a baby, quietly in my heart. I said, oh, Holy Spirit, please help me. Do you know there are wonderful moments when you call in the Holy Spirit? Because even in the most darkest, the most painful times, it can be a wonderful meeting. A wonderful meeting place with God where you can find incredible joy. The Holy Spirit, the enemy, was breathing his fear-filled words into my heart. And on scene came the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what he was going to say. And when I heard what he said, I found it incredibly unusual. He said, Dave, listen to the birds. I'll never forget it. Clear in my spirit. It was the most unusual thing, something that I certainly couldn't have thought up. He said, Dave, listen to the birds. Well, I couldn't hear any birds because the storm was raging. The rain was beating against the window. The thunder was sounding. The lightning was flashing. The last thing that I could hear was any birds. But as I tuned my hearing in, I thought, listen to the birds. I'll try to listen. As I listened to the birds, or as I listened to the, to the, to the sound of the birds, I heard them singing singing in the storm brightly positively they weren't they weren't sounding off a song that was that was a dirge or negative or downcast their their song their music was bright i couldn't believe it i hadn't been able to hear it because all i could hear was the storm and the noise of the wind and the sound of the thunder and the rain beating against the window. But when I listened to the direction and the wisdom, you see, of the Holy Spirit, I heard the sound of not just one bird, but many birds. There were many birds singing their song in the midst of the most fierce storm. And then suddenly the penny dropped. I understood what I had to do. The Holy Spirit was telling me to sing. I began to sing. Just like Paul in that prison. I felt the fear. I felt closed in. I felt shut up and knocked down and beaten black and blue by all of the, 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 the fear-filled words that my mind had entertained. But as I listened to the birds and I started to sing, Suddenly, I found joy. I found joy in the storm. And now, when I look back, that very fall produced fruit. It produced fruit in my life. It was a fruitful fall. Why? Because I asked for wisdom. I didn't just stay fearful. I didn't just stay downcast. I didn't just allow my, my emotions to be railroaded over by the enemy. I asked for wisdom. I received it. And as a result of receiving it, I praised God in the most difficult time of my life. And honestly, honestly, suddenly it was like walking from, daylight, uh, walking from darkness into daylight. A brand new day. And I was, I was out of it out of the other end, and through it. Do you know, there's been lots of occasions like that since that one. And I'm sure there has been for you too. But through all of those occasions, I've remembered, Dave, listen to the birds. 
Sing your song in the storm. Praise me. Pray and praise me. And you'll find the deliverance that you need. Amen. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, endurance, perfecting you, leaving you complete in character. Maybe going through a tough time today, but don't allow it to steal your joy. You may feel like Paul, your feet are locked up in stocks and you cannot move. You're imprisoned by it. You can pray. You can praise. And I'm telling you now, as you do, as you make that decision to proactively praise God in the midst of, of difficult times and hardship, you'll see His power and His deliverance released in your life. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your precious people this morning. I thank you for how you come to encourage us, Holy Spirit. And Lord, we understand that the falls and the knocks of life are inevitable. We take a tumble, we take a fall, We get cut, we get bruised, we get injured. But in the midst of all of those life challenges that we face, in the midst of all of the host of colorful tests that come our way, thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Thank you for being ready, O oh God, to generously dispense your wisdom, your wisdom liberally you give it, and freely and generously you impart it for all of the complex things that we face. Lord, I pray for comfort today, strength, endurance, and above all things, Lord, in your people, I pray for joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.